Um, we're looking now at the issue of hotels because this week Dublin City Council has approved planning permission for a hotel off New Yard. Sorry, New Yard is the hotel off Meath Street. The new Liberties-based hotel is to have 224 bedrooms along with a hotel bar and restaurant. But as COVID-19 continues to hold the tourism industry hostage, will an increase in hotels save the industry or is it going to let it crumble? And what about the crippling housing crisis that continues continues to impact the city. Well, here to discuss this further is Mark Paul, Irish Times Business Affairs correspondent, and Hazel Chu, who is Lord Mayor of Dublin and Green Party Councillor. Um, and Hazel, before we go to the issue of hotels, firstly, I just want to ask you on a separate topic. It has been reported this morning in the Irish Times um, about an incident in which the majority of tenants uh, were, who were evicted from a property they were renting in Fibsborough in North Dublin returned to their home yesterday. Now, this involved nine tenants, many of them foreign nationals. They were removed from the property on Wednesday morning. Jack Power of the Irish Times reported that several men wearing all black face coverings, caps and sunglasses, they entered the house on Wednesday morning. They instructed the tenants inside to leave and then they boarded up the front door and the windows. The tenants spent several hours afterwards outside the house with their belongings on the pavement. Now, Garthi have told us that legal representatives of the property's owner attended Mountjoy Garthi Station on Wednesday and informed Garthi that they intended to lawfully secure the premises and Garthy then attended the scene after an emergency call was made by a tenant and a number of personnel remained with the primary function uh, and I quote to prevent breaches of the peace and ensure everyone's safety. Meanwhile a spokesman for Goldman Sachs which controls property fund Beltony said the fund had sold the property on June 2nd but was unable to disclose the name of the buyer citing confidentiality reasons. Um, Pretty complicated case Hazel but could you maybe give me your reaction to it? Yeah, um, Sarah, so I don't want to comment on the specifics of the case because, as you say, it is a complicated case. But what I will say is that we are still in a pandemic. So uh, legislation that was brought in as emergency needs to be reviewed again. And more in-depth legislation on tenants' rights going forward needs need to be made. Uh, there will be a, a doll coming back. Uh, they will there will be legislation that needs to go on moving forward. So just because people voted on measures on rents and evictions during uh, a particular emergency doesn't mean it's something we cannot aspire to in future to do better on. And that's what we need to do. We need to look at the overall legislative landscape in this area and see what we can do more on. Okay, well, no doubt it's an issue that we will return to. But as I said, um, we want to talk about hotels now and how many are popping up in the city. And I suppose it's not an unrelated issue, really, because it also looks at the issue of housing for people in the city. Um, And uh, as I said, I'm joined also by Mark Paul, uh, Irish Times Business Affairs correspondent in studio. Um, Mark, you think this is a great idea. (laughs) Build lots of hotels. This is what the city needs. Um, I think before the pandemic hit, there was obviously a crippling shortage of hotels in Dublin. I mean, that was borne out in the statistics. Dublin had the highest occupancy rates in all of Europe. Um, There had been barely anything built in about a decade or almost a decade until about 2016, 17. And then Dublin was basically playing catch up. Um, So I think that's where a lot of the um, thinking comes from, that there was far too many hotels being built in Dublin because there were so many being built in a short space of time. They were playing catch up. But when you look at the amount of rooms that Dublin has and compare it to other cities of its size, I mean, Dublin isn't particularly over-hoteled, if you know what I mean. Um, There's about 24,000 hotel rooms in Dublin. I mean, if you look at somewhere like Vienna, slightly bigger, has slightly more tourists, but it's got 36,000 hotel rooms. Um, And, uh, you know, hotels needed to be built. And it, it was just unfortunate, I think, that before the pandemic, 
pandemic hit, an awful lot of hotel building coincided with a time when there was also a housing shortage in the city. And there was also internationally some anti-tourism um, sentiment and in Dublin particularly a little bit of anti-developer sentiment. And I think that's what fed into the narrative that there was too many hotels being built in Dublin. Now, obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We've got too much of everything in a pandemic, not just hotels. Um, an awful lot of the hotels that are being planned or that are in planning, they're not going to get built for a couple of years because they won't be able to fund them. I mean, getting planning permission is just a first um, step along the way. But I think the move by councillors um, last September um, to pass a motion to effectively try and prevent more hotels being built, I think that was short-sighted. I think as we come out of this pandemic, um, um, you know, looking at it from a positive point of view, if we come out of it relatively quickly with some sort of a vaccine, um, tourism and hospitality will be the industry that drags the domestic economy forward. It did it coming out of the last recession. And, and hotels, like them or love them, um, they give valuable jobs to young people, um, often to migrants, um, often to people who are trying to juggle um, um, home uh, home life and, and, uh, and, and work life. So um, whilst a lot of people sneer at hotels as employers, um, um, they're a very, very part, uh, valuable part of the employment landscape and we shouldn't throw artificial barriers in their way. Okay, Hazel, what do you make of that? They, they create tourism, they create jobs, what's not to like? I agree with Mark. They do create jobs. They do, do create tourism. But I also agree with him that we are constantly playing catch-up in the city. We're, we're, we're years behind when it comes to a lot of things, especially when it comes to housing. So we look at our city landscape. And at the moment, as it stands, we don't need more hotels because, as we all know, there is no tourism there. But that the hotel having been built doesn't fix the tourism bit. So tourism needs to be fixed overall. And then having the hotel space there is good but there's a balance to be had here this is the thing it's not one or another we do need uh, accommodation for tourists but we need housing and in terms of hotel space for tourists as well we need it for for it to be better fit for purpose so in communities where hotels are coming are going up like the Liberties what you need to do is from where I stand you need to reimagine what a hotel uh, would look like like. So if you look at overseas, like Asian countries or like New York, for example, they would use the lobby bit and the first floor as a community space, office space, art gallery. That would bring the community in as well as then use the upper floors then as host hotel space. But if we are going to have more hotels, continue to have more hotels, we need proper provision and legislation for housing. And we need to start using spaces above retail, above offices for housing space. Because if you look at the footfall in town at the moment, we have low footfall in the areas of the south of the city of Grafton Street because there is no residential areas, um, re- residential living at all and that needs to change. Mm. And, and that's a fair point, isn't it, Mark? In, in areas where there isn't residential, you know, you do find, like in, in areas where there's lots of hotels, um, you know, in, in sort of the south part of the city as well, you do find there's not a lot of buzz, you know, because there's, there's not a lot of people. I, I think it's a little bit of a false dichotomy to, 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 to suggest that, you know, it's hotels versus houses as if you pass some sort of a rule and um, preventing the building of hotels and, and, and houses will just magically spring from the ground uh, in those locations. It doesn't really work like that. I, I, I take what you're saying. Every city that in, in Europe has an area that tends to be a hotel zone. 
Dublin doesn't really, down around the Docklands maybe. I mean, the Liberties is a little bit of a special case. It's, a, it's an area that's been, that was, a, before the pandemic hit, essentially was being um, gentrified, I guess. And, and you find that in a lot of cities. It was close to the city centre. Um, it, it, was, it was a trendy kind of a district. And it also had a lot of um, old industrial type sites mm. and, and whatever. They, they, but when they, we say gentrified, do we mean displacing locals? Is that what gentrified means? Well, or is that no, what this hotel will no, do no, in no, the Liberties, for example, where, no, well, you well, know, well, housing for locals could be built instead, a classy hotel is being built instead? Well, look, if, if there was a huge um, um, upsurge of opposition to this particular hotel um, that you mentioned, Molyneux Yard, in, in the Liberties, well, then I'm sure there would have been lots of objections. But I took a look at the planning file. There was one one objection to that hotel, one third party objection and one observation from Antoshka. So I think this No More Hotels campaign is really, um, it's a hashtag. It's, it's an online campaign. Um, 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 you know, Dublin needed more hotels before the pandemic hit. It'll probably need more after the pandemic goes away. Um, and if you take somewhere like, for example, Sean McDermott Street, right in the, in, in the heart of the inner city, um, a couple of years ago, um, um, uh, uh, councillors scuppered the sale of that site to a, a company called Toyoko Win, a Japanese company that was going to invest 65 million euros in one of the most deprived parts of Dublin. Um, and they were also going to build, there was also going to be space there for about 60 social housing units and that. Now, against the advice of all other planners, council scuppered that. And what's, what, what's happened since? The weeds have grown higher in that site. That's all that's happened. The people of Sean McDermott Street, I think, you know, I don't think they, they would have minded a hotel 65 million euros mm. being poured into a project in their midst. Hazel, what do you make of that? I think uh, Mark needs to ask the people of Sean McDermott Street to, to, to see whether they would have preferred a hotel or whether they can uh, see a, a public site that could go for public housing in future. And this is the thing. But the point like being, Hazel, uh, sorry, the point that Mark is making there is that they haven't, you know, been used for public uh, housing sites. It's just that that site has been left vacant. Is, is that? But it know? doesn't. But but once it's gone, it's gone. I, I think that's the pro- point we need to look at. If we continue to use public land for not public housing and to 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 have the hotel developments instead that's it your your land is gone and to mark's point that it's a dichotomy of one or another it's not what i'm saying is that it always needs to be a balance and this is a balance that we need to look at when we look at the, the development plan that is going into a process in coming into september where we're opening first consultations of the development plan going forward so this is something that we need to look at as an overall city level and no, it's not one or another. It is a fine balance of both, though. So, mm. And for the meantime, I don't think we have both. I know last year the Green Party, Hazel, voted to limit the number of hotels being built in the city to, and I quote, halt the increasing erosion of cultural life and space. Um, do you still believe that, that, that there should be a limit on the number of hotels being built? I do, and I'm on a, a nice economy task force to to ensure that we do have trade, we do have cultural space. And this is the thing. You can have as many hotels and tourists coming into the city, but if you have nothing to provide them, you don't have the cultural quarters, you don't have the nighttime economy to to provide for them. What are you what what are you attracting them with? So and this is why it's important to have when you build a hotel, when you have planning for that, that there are certain conditions. And this is what I mean by having having community space, having creative artist space within the buildings themselves. For example, the, the application for the hotel going on uh, where Reroyals would have been, what should be done is a preservation of Reroyal itself as a club or or the overall kind of where a it used to be. A club under a hotel, Hazel. Space. 
Who wants to build a what? club over, or who wants to build a hotel over a club? <laughs> I mean, well, why not? You have cities where there are clubs and hotels because that attracts people to the location itself as well as provide trade for for the hotel. So, like, Mark, this is the thing. It doesn't have to be a sterile uh, building itself. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I, it happens in Harcourt Street, actually. Now that I'm thinking of it, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that particular proposal for Rerol has been knocking around for a few years, and it's just been updated in the last few weeks, which I think is why it's getting more attention. I mean, I don't know. List Rerol. I, I, I don't know if that's the answer. Look, the, the building of cultural and creative spaces, uh, uh, it tends not to be planned by bureaucrats and politicians. It tends to be something that happens naturally and it follows um, property cycles. When property prices drop, you tend to find creative spaces move in. That happened during the last recession. I mean, there was a big hullabaloo last September when the George Bernard Shaw pub, um, and when the Bernard Shaw pub uh, in the south of the city centre um, um, was closed um, um, and possibly to make way for a hotel. I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was a, a pub that was famous for street art, urban art. Um, and, you know, again, it, there was a big social media outcry. That pub was only there because there was a property downtown the last time. Um, so um, bureaucrats and politicians will not be able to plan some sort of a wonderful cultural side to Dublin. That tends to thing, that type of thing tends to happen organically as it should do. Mm, we have a tweet from Ellen Coyne to at Today Radio RT, Ellen Coyne from The Independent, saying it hasn't been mentioned that that site on Sean McDermott Street that you were talking about, Paul, uh, was a former Magdalene laundry and it, it was some of the survivors themselves who didn't want it to be turned into a hotel. Yeah, sure it was. And I think in the proposal that Toyoko Inn were putting together, um, um, there was provision made in that for some sort of a commemoration. I mean, it's for the developers of that site to defend their development. It's, it's not for me to defend it. But I mean, uh, you know, are, are the, the the, the, the victims of the Magdalene Laundries, are they better served by having weeds grow higher and higher and higher in the middle of a deprived city centre location? Are they not allowed to make that decision themselves? They're allowed to uh, put forward their, their, their point of view on it, but that doesn't mean that you can just leave that site forevermore uh, in the middle. What about the people who live around there who need employment, who want investment in their area? What about tourists in that part of the city who want to win? It, as as uh, Hazel said, it's about balancing a lot of different things. Yes, it's an old Magdalene Laundry site. That doesn't mean it remains untouched forever. I mean, that's preposterous. Mm. Um, um, you're talking about limiting the number of hotels then, uh, Hazel, it's something that you say you still support. How do you decide how many hotels is all right? Like, wh- where do you set that limit? On what basis? Well, this, is, this is where a development plan and consultation is required. And this is why I say that we're setting out the dates. We, coming into September 2020 is going to be the pre-consultation period for the next development plan of the city. And this is where it's important. And this is where kind of, ris- not restrictions, an overall plan of the city needs to be looked at. And if it's limiting hotels, if it's adding cultural space, that's what we need to look at. And one thing to point out, and it's, it's not getting at Mark, but he pointed at the no more uh, hotels hashtag or campaign and he also said that campaigns for cultural space isn't born out of bureaucrats or politicians but born organically. No more campaigns is born out of a group of creative cultural people actually that are fighting to try to limit hotel space but also create more cultural space. So I think on one hand to say oh this is just a hashtag but on the other hand say well this is something that needs to happen organically. It's a bit unfair one way or another because there are people People out there trying to create Dublin into a better space, be it politicians, bureaucrats, no more campaigns, other campaigners. That's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do it with a balance. And the development plan is the first step. So I do ask people that they feed into it, that they make sure they contact the local councillors about it, because it will be very important. 
uh, moving onwards for the All right. city. I give the final word to yourself, Mark. Well, I mean, just at the meeting at which um, 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 the councillors took the vote, their own planners and executive told them that there was no evidence for what they were doing, that they were going to cost investment um, and that they were opening up their own council to legal challenge. Um, so I think there's been a little bit of policy by social media on this issue with councillors. It tends to be a left-wing pursuit and that's not getting at left-wing parties. They're entitled to do whatever they want. Um, policy it, by social media is not getting at left-wing parties. No, but no, on this particular issue, it was policy by social media. It's, it's, it's driven by the reaction on social media to stuff like the, the Bernard Shaw closing. Um, it wasn't driven by the expert advice of their own planners and executives who told them that what they were doing was wrong. And, and you know, the left tends to get at hotels because it's a non-unionised sector and that's where an awful lot of the antipathy on that side of politics comes from towards the hotel and tourism industries. Okay, I better let you back in on that, Hazel, before we wrap up. Yeah, it's it's politics by social media. I know what Mark is referring to, but we have a whole new generation that communicates differently. They do communicate on social media platforms. They are the next generation that has to take over the city. They are the next generation that has to live and work in this city. And what we are building is to benefit them. So I think to say campaign by social media, it, it again is very unfair because that's how people are communicating to get to their politicians, to get to the powers to be. And yes, we did we did get a, a, a wording a wording and also a suggestions from the executive at the time, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they were right on the subject. So, and again, this comes back to why we need to look at the development plan going onwards and seeing what's fit for purpose. All right. Well, I I suspect this is a debate that will return to us again. But for the moment, thank you very much, both of you, for joining us. That's Hazel Chu, who is Lord Mayor of Dublin and Green Party Councillor, and also Mark Paul, Irish Times Business Affairs Correspondent. And up next, we're going to get the latest on the UK's new green list restrictions as British tourists scramble to return home from France. Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1.